Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Let me bring in a guy. He's a very familiar voice here, one of our favorite people to have on the radio here regularly for the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. From Cable 14 and um, from Elvis impersonation competitions <laughs> the world wide, Mike Fortune, thanks for coming Back in. Back again. Thanks for having me, Scott. I, I must I must say, I don't know if you, anyone told you this today, but you're wearing this lovely, very cool-looking yep. cotton button-down shirt with yep. the... Sleeves open. Sleeves open. Yep. And you had these dark sunglasses on earlier and the, with the tan... You, you had a bit of a Jim Jones kind of look Jim. to you when you came in today. <laughs> no, I thought if people saw you, one today. they'd be thinking, hey, Guyana, Jonestown, why is Scott hanging out with a cult leader? <laughs> Stay away from the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, thanks for coming in. And we have talked a lot on this show, on Bill's show, on Scott's show over the last number of weeks about cannabis and about the legalization. And it's coming. It's about nine weeks away now. And we know that when it is legalized, that it is going to be now done by private... Well, there's two. There's going to be online yep. as a government thing. You can buy it online and I guess have Canada Post deliver it to your door. You know, Canada Post loses Sports Illustrated swimsuit editions. I can't imagine what's going to happen with pot. <laughs> there's going to be a ton of really high postal workers because of all these lost deliveries. But anyway, but we're going to have that stuff is going to be the government is going to run that, but they're going to be private business that is going to sell it in the storefronts. They're going to be able to set it up or however they're going to do it. But I was reading today and it's been a topic that's been going on for some time now. Should this be the launching point to do the same now with booze? Should we be looking at getting rid of the LCBO and just saying private business, you take the whole thing. Let's get out of this altogether as a government. You take it and you run with it. What should we do with that? Well, it, it's it's definitely setting a precedent for something such as this. I don't think the government would want that because of all the, the money that they would lose out of their pocket. However, times they are changing. And if this is something that we're going to be doing with cannabis, I would assume at some point because you have to have the same type of people um, trained properly of proper age to be able to sell cannabis privately, um, you're going to have those same people. Why not roll alcohol into that? However, as I said, the government would probably put up a big brick wall in front of everyone who thinks that because of all the money they're going but to lose. Would but they lose? Sense. Would they lose a lot if they if they got rid of LCBO? But they're going to they're not going to take away the taxes, and the taxes no. are the huge part of the revenue for mm-hmm. for booze. If you were to still offer booze sales with the enormous taxes that we pay and just say, fine, Mike, you can be Mike's house of liquor mm-hmm. and sell it for whatever, but you got to give us your taxes. I mean, think of the jobs that they wouldn't have to have as government workers, the benefits. All I mean, look, I'm not lobbying for people to lose their jobs. I'm just saying, is there a reason that you wouldn't do this if I you're the government? I can't think of any good reason at this point, unless there's something I don't know, and you, you, we just kind of sprung this on us uh, as we're about to go, or give it some deeper thought. Maybe there are some downfalls to it, but to the general public, I think they would be wide open to it. And it's not like this isn't being done elsewhere throughout North America and beyond. Um, go to your corner store, pick up your bottle of wine, and you're... You're 26 or of whatever and, and have at it. Uh, have you ever bought either beer or have you ever gone to a Sobeys or a Fortino's or wherever? Have you bought any from a grocery store? Yes, I have. And it, it does. It's because it's one of those things that's, it, it helps in the fact that you're out doing your grocery shopping. It's like, oh yeah, I don't have to make another stop. Um, I can pick up my wine or beer. Now, of course, I still have to go to the LCB for the harder stuff, but I, I do enjoy that. And uh, Is it more expensive there? Do they do they put a, a higher premium? I don't know. I don't think I've ever bought anything from a grocery store. I, 
I haven't actually priced it out. I'm going to be honest with you. If it is, it might just be a few cents. So, but I honestly can't answer that. I like the convenience. I like the fact uh, that you're able to do everything at one stop shop. I'm still getting asked for ID, which is fine by me. It makes me feel good. Uh, and they seem to have some very knowledgeable people at some of these, you know, food basics, no frills, whoever sells it, uh, that that make this kind of seamless. And I haven't heard any anything crazy about how this has blown up in people's faces and there's more drinking and driving going on. Uh, it, it seems all very controlled and contained. And I do believe that they are being very strictly enforced uh, by the powers that may be who are watching this project sure. unfold, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, if someone out there is listening and does regularly buy beer or wine from grocery stores, Send me a quick email, radley at 900chml.com, and let me know if it is notably higher, noticeably higher, the price if you do that as opposed to going to an LCBO store. I don't think it is. I don't think it is either, no. But if, so, because one of the, there's a couple things here. There have always been complaints or there have always been suggestions that if, well, if we put it in the hands of the private sector, they're going to gouge us. They're going to start raising the prices. I look at it the other way. I think if you have competing stores... Prices may go down. Now, they still have these enormous taxes to pay. We're going to be mm-hmm. stuck with those. But I would think that this competition would drive prices down. Competition is good for everyone, especially the consumer. Uh, now, I don't know. Can you start advertising big sales? You know, pick a They group, already do. Pick a, can they? LCBO. Are, don't you get those glossy flyers? Yeah, but that's not like a... Is that like a big sale where come in this weekend and get your 2 for 50% off? Well... I don't n- think they can do that. Yeah, but there is a lower... Like we just had the buck of beer thing. There is a lower yeah. lowest limit. You can't go below it. Mm-hmm. But you do all those things. It's, you know, $3 off this bottle or $5 off this bottle. So there are... Sales. I mean, it is. It, this is what they're trying to get you to come in, and, and again, it's a government. It's a government agency, and I'm getting these glossy magazines, and I'm thinking, well, wait a sec. The only place I can buy this stuff is the LCBO. Why are you sending me this with taxpayer funded? We got to go break. Why yeah. are you sending me these taxpayer funded glossy magazines when if I want to buy something, I got to go in there anyway? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, we're chatting about whether or not we should be having private booze sales, private liquor sales, like we're going to be having with private cannabis sales. Right. And Mike, you said something just before the break, and it was an interesting thing about protection of people so that you don't sell this to underage people. And and this is also one of the things that people, when they say, no, you can't let this go to the private sector. Look, some kid, some 15-year-old is going to walk in off the street and he's going to be able to just buy it. No one's going to stop them. Well, earlier this week... Uh, or maybe it was last week, I can't remember. I've lost track of time. It's summertime. Uh, we were talking about the fines in the penalties, the fines mm-hmm. in Ontario for selling to people underage. And on first offense, a store that sells to someone under 19, the first offense is a $20,000 fine. Now, I don't know how many six packs or bottles of wine you have to sell to make up $20,000, but that's to me, that's a deterrent. Big number. And if it's cannabis, it's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And I got no problem with bumping up the booze one to two hundred and fifty. Let's let's go private. Say you can start your own business, but if you're caught selling to someone under nineteen, it's a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine. You want to know what you're going to do if you own that store? You are going to be checking every ID like it is looking for. You have to. 
You, 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 you Some sort of disease. You have to because you have to protect your investment, which is your store, because you're not just going to be selling cannabis or or alcohol. You are going to be a convenience store. You're going to have other products and services potentially in there as well. So, yeah, it, it's good. I wanted to go to a quick point. You talked about the LCBO, the bright, glossy brochures that come through. And, yes, they do have sales in those. We receive Sobeys flyers and food basics. I don't believe... And if there's anyone out there that would like to correct me, please, I'm quite used to that. But I don't think you, when you see the Sobeys or the Food Basics one, you never see Pinot Grigio, Sawmill Creek no, I don't on think sale. So. so I do think there is a bit of an advantage still for the LCBO where they can promote sales where I don't think the grocery stores can. And to that point, you then walk into the LCBO and it's, it's like a world of colors, a world of, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. So that's why I still think the LCBO still has a very strong arm and still makes sense why people would want to go there. I don't even know if the private grocery stores are allowed to advertise. That's for what I'm, I'm getting not at. Sure. I, I, don't, I don't think they can. So. I don't know the answer. And so, look, I... And not we, every, you know, some people go in and use all their air miles at LCBOs too, right? There are different opinions. There is a point of view that these kind of things should stay in the hands of the public sector because the public sector is for the people, not for profit, and they are going to do things better and they are going to be more careful. Well, they're for profit for themselves. They're for profit as far as raising tax dollars, right? Yes. It goes for okay. pro- profit as far as this is not a net neutral mm-hmm. thing. We are paying more than the... If a if they go out and buy something at, at at wholesale, we are paying more than that. If you go to the liquor store, Correct. is it for profit into some individual person's pocket? No, but it's going into the province's pocket. So it's we are not paying wholesale prices. So mm-hmm. however you want to define whether that's for profit or okay. not, yeah. But there are people who say all those things though that, that the public sector would always do it better. There are people, and I'm among the latter, who would say. Mm, you know what? Generally, I believe the private sector, because of competition and because of a need to do better, that they often do things better. Not everything, but a lot of things. I think customer service is top of the list when it comes to to that because, again, people have invested their hard-earned dollars. It's their blood, sweat, and tears. They're paying the rent for the brick and mortar. They want to make sure that they have a pleasant customer experience. So, yeah, you will get a better experience, I think, if it does come through that private sector. And it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go down this road. I don't know if this is going to be, and we haven't heard anyone say this yet, but if the provincial government is sort of quietly looking at how this will work and saying, hmm, maybe we can do something. I mean, well, to some small extent, they are the private sector. Well, yeah, it would be private because Taco Bell and Upper James, not to give out ads or anything like that, but I believe they have started to sell beer with their Taco Bell. Really? Yes. And way back in the day, Taco Bell used to do that, and then they got out of it. So that's happening already where you have a private- That they're testing. Private business, they're testing. Um, and it's so it would be no different. Go into, uh, go into a local joint- Pick up your pick up your beer, have a meal, and uh, oh, here's a little here's a little hash brown or a, a brownie for later on. Yeah, I, I I have to think brings a whole new difference to when they sing a happy birthday and give you a free brownie at uh, dinner time. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm waiting to see if the private stores are going to be as cliche 
as I would expect them to, because I will, be, I will, I am betting that in every single joint or pot store, <laughs> there will be a big display of Cheetos. <laughs> Quite possibly. There, hey. there has to be, doesn't there? If, or if, pizza. If you can start doing some cross promotion, work with other companies, it's all about the mighty dollar. And if you can be clever and a little cliche, why not? If I'm the government and I can sell, I can get rid of the liquor store, and even though it brings in money, if you can get someone else to do it and with the taxes still make nearly the same amount and not then have to pay all these salaries, those people will go and work for a private sector person. I am i don't see a problem with it. And, and the answer, the argument that people make that this will drive up prices, I simply don't believe that's true. I just don't believe. But it's going to keep people honest. We're going to find out when the pot comes out. We're going to see what happens. We're going to see if having private sector, if it leads to a price war or a price escalation. We don't know yet. And, and if it turns into a price war, I know we got to go here. We talked about this too. You know, the black market is still going to benefit from all of this. And that's one thing you generally don't have in liquor. I don't think we still have bootleggers out there. There's no more bootlegging there. going on nowadays. People are not making moonshine in their bathtub, as <laughs> far as I know. <laughs> You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. You were at the cottage or up up north and took a picture of a beautiful sunset. Gorgeous sunset. And then on your phone and then you blow it up later and... (laughs) So I was was in my location and uh, I'll send the pictures to you. You can put them up on Facebook. Don't worry about the the top uh, left corner because that's my finger. That's how good of a photographer I am. And I was doing panoramic, and I took the one photo, and it's beautiful sunset. That looks gorgeous. And then I, I, I moved uh, – no, I stayed in the same location because I tried it again because I'm trying panoramic. And I go back, and I had a couple drinks in me, but I'm looking at the pictures. I'm like, oh, it looks like there's a spot on the picture. And I, I blow it up, Scott, and I swear. It, it, I've, I know what orbs are, but this is a green circle – with little green lights all around it. I'm like, what is that? And I go back to another picture, and it was actually in a different spot. And I know I didn't move. It moved. So this thing has moved, and it looks like a UFO. And you you saw it. You I can saw kind it. of agree to this. I, I don't know what it is. I'm, I don't know if I'm a believer in UFOs, but there is something in your There's picture. There's something weird. And, I'm too, it's and a it big, did move. It's, it's different a, spot in the two different pictures. And the, your first response, everyone's first response when I say everyone, I thought it was I've a reflection to, of the sun or the moon or whatever. I've shown it to five or six people and they all say the same thing. Well, that's the moon. Well, no, I know for a fact that the moon was on the other side. Because we'd have beautiful, we'd look around, we see, oh, there's the moon there, the sunset, there's the moon. It is freaky. It, it, so how it's long have you been vacationing in Area 51? <laughs> well, that's what I'm worried about. You know, if I send these pictures to you and they get a hold of me, they might put me away. You might never hear from me again. That's true. You- I'm sure some of your <laughs> listeners might not mind that. But uh, yeah, there's two photos and I'll send them to you and you can put them up and be interested to see what the comments are. Because it, it's it's de- it, one photo, it's it's kind of arrived by the horizon. Next photo, it's up higher in the sky. I don't have a third and fourth photo because I was just because that's because well the third and fourth photos were taken while you were in the ship <laughs> being probed. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, that's why I can't remember much of my that's, trip. <laughs> that's right. That's why you're sitting funny today. Yeah, exactly. All uh, right. Well, we'll we'll put those. We'll try and find a place to put those photos up, and we'll let people decide if uh, if Mike actually saw a UFO. It's weird, wacky stuff, folks. It really is. It's I don't know what it is. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. There is, uh, there has been a big debate this week, a huge debate this week, met with uh, very angry voices on both sides 
about the idea uh, that the town, the city of Victoria has taken down a statue of Sir John A. Macdonald because while he was our first prime minister, he has also been cited as one of the authors of residential schools and the indigenous residential school crisis. And therefore, uh, the negatives have been strong enough in some minds to outweigh the positives. And therefore, we must take down these statues because we can't be honoring someone who has that as part of their background. Where do you stand on this? By the way, Mike Fortune from Cable 14 is the other voice here who I'm just asking. Where do you stand on this one? I believe we have to learn from our history. I believe we are a better society now in the fact that we are more educated, we have more resources at our hands, and we have much better ways of being able to teach not only us as adults who still have a lot to learn, but I think also our youngsters. And I don't think tearing down statues spray painting them, pouring red paint on them is sending the right message. Uh, You're sending a message of forget our past, forget our history. You're sending messages of vandalism is okay. I think there are better ways to handle this because if you're going to be taking down Sir John A., you might as well take it down every statue around. You might as well take down a majority of the plaques in Cooperstown. You might as well take a, probably a bunch of busts down from uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame. Well, if, there's if, nobody. If you're going to go with statues, you might as well do a clean slate. Then. There's none among us who have a pristine past. We've we, all we've all done things that we wish we, we could were do. Talking over. about this at lunch, we all have skeletons. Sure, we've we do. All made mistakes. Where I have a problem with this because I, I look at the I look at the explanation of Sir John A. Macdonald and the fact that he was involved in residential schools just like Langevin, who they took the Langevin block where the Prime Minister's office is and took that name down because he was involved in it. And where I have trouble with this is twofold. One, I'm not sure that taking the name, taking the statue away changes the past. I don't think that undoes whatever damage was done to people who went through it. Not one iota. Any more than now saying we're going to have a statutory holiday to honor this. We'd be the only country, I think, in the world that would actually have a statutory holiday to revel in our own failures as opposed to a celebration. If we were to have a statutory holiday to in honor of some indigenous person who we want, that that's one thing. But to say, we're going to have a statutory holiday so we can all sit at home and mourn and think about the failures of our past country. That's, that's bleak and depressing and nobody does that. But anyway, the thing about this that for me with Sir Johnny McDonald and others is these people were men of their time. And it makes things much more complicated when you say, yes, we can look in modern times and say the way you did things, the thoughts you had, the attitudes you had, we no longer consider them acceptable. But these were, at that time, these were men who were leaders who were leading our country, but those attitudes, those were not out of line with the thinking and whatever. It doesn't make it right. Correct but it makes it more understandable for sure. Agreed. We don't say, and then some people say, well, what about Hitler? Well, we should put up a statue of Hitler. No, no, because Adolf Hitler was not a man of his time. He was the one who started the whole, the whole genocide, the whole final solution, all these things. There wasn't a thought process about necessarily about Jews, the way that Mm -hmm. until Hitler brought that in, it is a very complicated thing. But I just, I look at this and I think it, there, to take it down, 
all it does is say that in 50 years, in 100 years, whatever, everybody who's alive today, there will be different attitudes. And you know what? We'll be looking at people right now that we're holding up as heroes saying they were offensive, genocidal maniacs. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And they're not. At least not as we would see it, because we are in our time doing the the, best we can. We're living in the now and we're learning from our past. And that is how you need to move on and progress as a society and as a, as a civilization. Is there a chance? And and I, and I say this sincerely, while we may now look back at residential schools and say, this was a bad thing that did damage. And I think most of us can agree on that. It's horrible. Is there a chance that when Sir Johnny McDonald and I can't remember his first name, Langevin and the others who were involved, is there a chance that they were looking at this as something that might work to make things better? And I don't know the answer to that question, Mike. I don't know if they were doing this simply to try to wipe out the indigenous population or if they were trying to, I, I believe they thought they were going to assimilate them into society. But if they, see, this is the other part about this. What is your attitude? What is your motive? What is your thought process? And I think that goes a long way to also determining who we should be honoring or not. Again, to use the Hitler example, which I hate because it's the farthest end of the spectrum. Is anyone saying that Adolf Hitler was doing any of his work for... For the greater good? Well, he would argue for his greater good. For selfish reasons. For selfish reasons, but... But not for the betterment of society. Did Adolf Hitler believe that what he was doing, leave aside all the other things, was benign? Was it was that what you were... See, if if Sir Johnny McDonald, and I don't know, I can't put myself in his brain, if he believed that he was doing the best thing for the indigenous people, and I don't have the answer to that, and I can't decide that, that. But if he believed, and if we have reason enough to believe that he may have had that as his attitude, if the history books, if, if things record at time, and I don't know, said that he believed this was a good thing that was somehow going to lead to a good result for everybody. See, Hitler can't argue that somehow he thought this was going to end well for the Jewish people. No. But if you argue that, well, I think this is going to actually be good for the indigenous people in the end, while the result may have been harmful... Motive matters to me. Motive matters Agreed. to me. Yes. There is there is malicious motive and there is motive that is innocent that could still lead to bad results. But those are two very different things. Very different. And, and you know, you look at the Hitler example, he was all about greed and power. That's all he cared about. Um, again, we can speculate. We have no clue what Sir John A. was thinking during this time read a thousand history books, I still don't think you can never get between his two ears and know truly what his thought process was behind all of this. To your original question, though, staying on the statue thing, I'd be curious to know what other people are thinking about this right now, because you can't, you can't, you talked about this, we can't erase what has happened. Learn from it, folks. It's all on the the web, and if you want to have a statutory holiday for it, um, I don't think that's the way to go. I love how you worded it. You're, we're, we're celebrating failures. Um, I'm fairly certain that there's a stat holiday regarding this on June or in September. 
I don't think too many people are going to be waking up saying, "Boy, wow, this is this is this was horrible." Well, in the states, they have MLK, they have Martin Luther King Day. Uh, that's a little but different, th- though. Wait, my, that's exactly little, my point. We don't. It, they're not celebrating the assassination of no, Martin Luther King and they're mourning celebrating that. the life of what he did. Right? They're not more. They're not having a day to mourn the killing of a man. They are having a day to celebrate the work and the life of a great man. We're deciding that we want to have something that is going to be just completely bleak and remind us every year that we all suck. So can't we, you know, isn't there a better way to promote or market this or the government could have said, is there not a way that we could have talked about how we promote the indigenous lifestyle, what they do, what they bring to 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 us on a daily basis to this point? Do a lot more education in school about it. Do a, do a week regarding indig- uh, the indigenous because taking a day off is going to do nothing but starting to educate people. You know, the government can fork out hundreds of thousands of dollars to change a cover on a, on a budget book. Take that money and put together little 30-second things on social media, on, on Internet, on Twitter, little 30-second spots about the indigenous and, and, and the history and where we were and how we've come up and how we've come through all of this. Be smart about this. I, I'm what we have lost, I think, along the way somehow, again, is the idea that there is a difference between bad results and bad motives. And if we have some evidence, and maybe we do, maybe we do, I haven't seen it, but if we have proof that Johnny McDonald as part of his ultimate goal was the eradication of the indigenous people, that he wanted them all dead, that he wanted them all to suffer. That, And again, that's the Hitler example. Mm-hmm. That's To me, that is very different from a guy who is trying to find a solution to a problem, maybe chose a poor solution, a harmful solution, but was looking for a real solution. And if that was the case, I think we should be not ignoring that in history by any stretch. We shouldn't be forgetting. We always say those who forget their history are bound to repeat it. We shouldn't forget what the bad choice was. But I don't know that we demonize the person for that decision either. I don't know that we we should be holding this person as someone that we now, rather than saying this was a, a person who was impactful on the cr- growth of this country, that we basically say, you're a blot on us. And we refuse to give you any credit for any of the things you did because of this horrible thing that you did. I, we have, we're ignoring or we're assuming the worst. We're assuming the worst. We're expecting the worst. We're going on the worst. Again, by that, by that stretch, Mike, anybody that makes a mistake, any politician, any person that makes an error that years later we judge harshly, regardless of anything else they did, we are deciding your motive was bad. Therefore, we got to demonize you. Uh, um, yeah, and, and let's face it, there would never be a statue going up again then. And, of, know, anybody. Of, of, of anybody. Of w- anybody, to that point. I forgot what my other thought was there when you, when you went on there. Um, we got... We... we 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 have to we have to come to some sort of an understanding, and if if Victoria is saying we're going to rip them down, hey, I I hope that doesn't happen happen across the board. I, I truly don't. I know we're seeing it in the in the states. We're seeing lots of Confederate uh, statues coming down. Mind you, I think that's toned down a little bit. But again, the past is there. You can't ignore it. Learn from it. Well, what about uh, we got Pr- uh, Prime Minister William Lyon Mackenzie King and the Japanese internment camps? Now, again. 
Uh, I think that if you were to talk to Japanese people at the time or even their relatives since, those that was a horrible, difficult, um, painful thing that happened to them that you would look at and you would say, how in the world, how in the world did we ever come to the decision that we were going to do that? And yet we're in World War II and at the moment was the prime minister at the time looking, saying, you know what we got to do? We've got to just round up the Japanese and kill them all. Or was he, or was he looking at this saying, we have a problem. The solution that was chosen in retrospect in history turned out to be one that wasn't great, wasn't very good at all. It was bad. But at the time, was the motive because it was malicious or was the motive because he was trying to solve a problem? We and, weren't in the war room. And we have we're no not clue. there. We have no clue. Exactly. We don't know, but we've assumed that it was a malicious intent. Bad things can happen even whether it's malicious or not, but I, I, I don't know that I want to go down the path of everything in history, assuming that anything bad that happened in history always happened because someone intended it to go bad. You know, I talked earlier about busts in, in the Hall of Fames and plaques. I think a lot of us know the, the history of Ty Cobb. You know, a, a allegedly killed someone. Jumped Racist. In, jumped into the stands and beat up a veteran who, who lost a hand during the war. Brutally beat people. Yet, he still looked on upon as, as a baseball legend. So, and again, I know it's different it's it's a little different than but again to your point living in those times it's it, they were men and women mostly men in mostly this case because it's back say. then men of their times facing choices that Making in retrospect that in retrospect we see as being wrong decisions or painful decisions and no one is arguing against that no one's suggesting for a second that the internment camps and the the uh, residential schools and these ended up being very bad things. But what was the, what was the reason for doing it? If, if there is evidence, and again, I'm not a history expert enough. Will you be able to find it? I don't think you can. Well, there could be interviews. There could be people who were there or who spoke to people who were there. I'm not, I'm not suggesting there can't be that, but, and if there's evidence that this was done with malicious intent, I'm all for then eradicating that person from the public and that's a huge if, though, and I do agree but with you. But if not, I think you leave the statues. I think you use them as talking points to say, here's what happened. Here's the decision they made. How do we make sure we don't make a decision like this again down the road? Mm-hmm. Taking the statue away and pretending they didn't exist then removes that discussion from the discussion and leads us down a path where we could make a decision like that again because the kids who are kids now who won't be learning about Sir Johnny McDonald perhaps become adults and become leaders in 30, 40, 50 years. And if they've never learned about what happened, they could actually They'll make the same mistake again. Do it all over again. And this was where we talk about our curriculum, change up the curriculum. But how, you know, I know we're talking, I know there's lots of talk about the sex ed curriculum changing. How much has the history cur- curriculum changed? Are you still going through the books and reading about Magellan and all the, the great uh, uh, people that have found this country? Or maybe you got to tune up the history a little bit, change it up a little bit. Well, even Get Christopher Columbus now, we're told, was a racist, uh, genocidal maniac. And I'm looking going, 
do we, is our history, is the history of the world more complicated than we may have made it seem once upon a time? Sure. And they celebrate Columbus sure. Day, don't they? Yeah, but there's, So should there's, you take Columbus Day off the map then? There, there is more gray perhaps than black and white that uh. has been taught for a while. But does that mean that because there are shades of gray that we must remove all No, we of shouldn't. That? No, we shouldn't. I, I, that's my thought. We shouldn't. We should still understand, discuss, talk, learn. But, but putting, I don't it, think putting it in a closet and forget and pretending it never happened doesn't solve or resolve anything. But I think that's what people like to do because people don't like what makes to it talk. easier. People don't like to discuss things because heaven forbid if you don't believe or listen to their opinion, then they have to start yelling at you or vice versa. People get so emotionally involved and I don't think there's any reason for that. Just have a have a discussion. Just like we're doing right here. Have a simple discussion, folks. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, Mike Fortune in studio with me. Um, Eric Lindros today was at a conference, former uh, MVP in the NHL, former star, Philadelphia Flyers, once upon a time Toronto Maple Leafs, Dallas Stars, New York Rangers. Uh, He was at a conference today about head injuries and concussions. Eric Lindros said today, or yesterday, but I think it was today, that maybe it's time the NHL should take the step of banning body contact. Hmm. What do you think? Well, we see that type of hockey during the Olympics, I would say. There's a lot less body checking in the Olympics, and I think that is some of the best hockey you see because you are just dealing with pure skill at that point. But it's not banned. There is still it's, hitting. It's not, no, it's correct. And I, I, I was getting to that. It's, it's not banned. But you're not seeing nearly as much of it. You're not seeing all the face washes. You are simply seeing good, skilled hockey. Fast, up and down, crisp passes, beautiful shots, nice saves, and all the antics are taken out of it. And I think people really enjoy that. Now, you're going to have your traditionalists to say, no, that isn't how the game's played. These are warriors. These are gladiators. And they're out there to, to win the game, and they'll do it at all costs. And if that means getting into a fight... High sticking someone, hitting someone into the bar board so hard that they knock their lights out, then so be it. Is there not somewhere in between those two extremes, though? I, I think that somewhere in between is is more towards the Olympic style of hockey, the, the junior style of hockey, where it's not about the hitting, it's more about the fundamentals of the game. See, I find it somewhat... Because when, sorry, when, when you're first learning how to play hockey... As, as a youngster, you're not learning how to check. You're learning how to pass and skate and shoot and how to make saves. You don't get into hitting. You don't learn how to hit or get hit until you, I don't know what the age is now, 15, 16 maybe. Your body's a little more fully developed. And by then, you've already seen so much hockey, watched it because you're a fan of the game. You don't know how to do all this. And I don't know if there's, if they teach them properly how to take a hit how to give a hit well you're supposed to i mean i've i've coached and you're supposed to teach that stuff how many do and how many don't is is that's you know that's up for discussion but but that that isn't sexy though that that isn't well here here's the thing i i find it i'm not going to say rich uh certainly eric lindros knows about concussions he suffered concussions however I also believe that Eric Lindros probably, if you were to keep track, had probably dished out a whole lot of concussions too, the way he played. This was a man who was a star in large part, not entirely, he was a very skilled player, but he was also an absolute beast on the ice and he would run through you, skate Mm -hmm. through you rather than around you. And Eric Lindros, 
part of what made him a great hockey player was that physical play. And I think people still like the physical play. I don't think people want to see pond hockey, scrimmage hockey. Now, the Olympics, you're right. Uh, the difference between the Olympics and an NHL season is that you have, you have in, especially in the playoffs, best four to seven, you're, there, are, there are frustrations, there's things that go on. I, I don't see the NHL taking out body contact completely. I just don't see it. I don't think people would want it to be out completely. I think there's things you can do. They've tried to get rid of headshots mm-hmm. with, you know, I, look, I think the NHL has failed in one thing, and that is they've said how strongly they want to get rid of headshots, and then depending on who it is who delivers the headshot, the suspension tends to be oftentimes a slap on the wrist, unless it's a convenient patsy who's a a grunt who you can say, oh, he's out for a long time. Yeah, and and again, this is where, you know, you have the the, the NHL PA, and, you know, they're putting certain things in, and so are the owners, so on and so forth. But I do agree with that. You have situations where you could make a clear, clear statement to everyone in the NHL, all the fans, all the owners, the next major head blow, you're done. There's an answer for this, Mike, and I've said this before on the show. There's an easy answer for how to deal with this. The NHL should tell the NHLPA, we are out of the suspension and discipline business. It's up to you. We're giving it to you. You fight us on every turn. So you represent the hitters and the hitty. You represent the guy delivering the concussion and the guy getting the concussion. We're out. You decide what your clients deserve as far as protection and and let your guys fight over what the suspension should be. And you want to know what happened? The NHLPA would be forced to be much more strict, I believe, than the NHL would be because the guys who are getting wiped out with concussions are paying union dues just as much as the guys delivering it. Of course. But why, are, and they're going to be saying, well, why are you then sticking up for him when I'm paying my dues? What are my dues for? There's also been a lot of talk about, you know, all the players say they love each other and we're a brotherhood and so on and so forth. But I do believe there is a lack of respect once people, once players get on the ice. I, again, I, I, I wasn't around in the, obviously in the 50s and 60s when hockey was played and I know it was rough and tough. But from what I have read and seen and stories, there, at least there was a respect on the ice, it seemed like. See, I, dis- I disagree. I, I hear that. I hear that all the time. It was way worse. You think so? It was way worse. Okay. I remember talking to... Oh, now I'm, th- I'm going to draw a blank on his name. Um, local hockey player, brother-in-law of Harry Howell, who got into a... You can go and watch the video. I'll think of his name. Ron Murphy. Ron Murphy. Got into a stick-swinging fight with Boom Boom Jeffrey on at center ice. All right. Where Boom Boom Jeffrey on swung his stick like a baseball bat and clacked Murray, Murphy in the head. Ted Green and Chico Mackey. Same thing. Okay. I stand corrected then. Guys, yeah. there were brawls. There were... like. Go back to the, the start of the Richard riots. Rocket Richard punches a linesman in the face and then cracks his stick over the head of another player. That's what started the Richard riots. If you did that today, you'd be banned for the rest of your life. No, he just you got kicked. You'd, you'd be given a 10-game suspension. No, no, no. If you if you punched a linesman and hit your head a stick, stick over the head of a guy, the difference is back when Rocket Richard did this, there wasn't 4K TV with slow motion. That game, I don't even think, was televised. There's no actual video of that. Nowadays, you do that, oh, you're gone. But so, so you have referees, and, 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 and it's great. Any referee, any official, umpire, they should be treated with that yes. type of respect. 
even if you don't like them, yes. So why can't the players look after their fellow team and their their it's a opponents great the, the, the same exact way? You're not going to do that to a referee. Why should you be allowed to do that just because he's wearing a different logo on his jersey? Well, and again, I'm I'm totally fine with hard hitting hockey. I'm I've got no problem. In fact, I like it. I would be I'd be upset if they took body checking like Lindros says out of hockey. However, there are things within the confines of that hard hitting that says you don't have to blindside a guy and drive him face first into the boards. You don't have to bring up your elbow and try and hit him in the jaw when you're skating by. There are things you can do that are legal and things that are cheap right. shots. And, but, and you're not seeing the skill, the best of the best. You're not seeing the Ovechkins, the Crosbys. You're not seeing them do the dirty work. No, Ovechkin has a bit of a track record. A little less lately. A little less but you know where I'm going yeah. with this. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's the, well, they're busy trying to score. It's the BC players yeah. who are the ones often, often. Th- that are doing this. So if you if you get into a more of a skilled league and, and you get rid of some of the, do I dare call them goons? You get rid of, get rid of the guys that don't have as much hockey talent and you bring in people that actually know how to play the game, you're going to see a, a shift in the climate of the game. The other one I wanted to bring up, and this is in the same tack but different sport, is we saw this week that a really, really hot player playing for the Atlanta Braves hits homers in five straight games. Three of those games hits a leadoff homer, mm-hmm. first at bat of the game. So he comes up to bat, and they're playing against Miami, and very clearly, there's no oh. doubt about it, the Miami pitcher on the first pitch of the game throws a 97.5-mile-an-hour fastball at him and clunks him in the elbow. Everybody in baseball pretty much has said that's Bush League. That's, you know, there's some old school baseball. If you want to go down the old school unwritten rules, and that is if. Let the players on the diamond. If he, if the other team hit one of your guys, you do all this kind of. This was just because the simple rule, the simple thing was this guy was doing too well. Mm It wasn't because he did anything wrong. He was doing too well. And so the response here is let's drill him. Major League Baseball comes out today and gives the guy a six-game suspension, which means he's a starting pitcher. He will miss one game. One game. For a team that's so far out of the mix, it's irrelevant, the Miami Marlins. But again, it has to go with what has been agreed upon by the owners and the PA. But see, here's this is an interesting thing, because I think that there are enough players that spoke out about how this was completely an unacceptable thing. This was not old school baseball. This wasn't throwback, hard nose. This was just an absolute unprovoked cheap shot. And if they had decided, you know what? We're going to throw a 20 game suspension at this particular guy to set a precedent that, you know, we'll, we'll let you handle your business unless the business is so stupid that we're, and baseball comes up with six. And I'm looking at this saying, here's maybe to get back to our point, here's maybe why Eric Lindros is talking about what he's talking about. While I may disagree with him, the various leagues have generally shown an inability to police themselves in a way that will protect the players. If the players believed in the NHL that if I drill a guy from behind face first into the boards, that I am going to be so harshly dealt with that it would not make it worth my while, it will go away. But they don't believe that. And it's, it, uh, it seems like it's, it's baseball and hockey that are always at the forefront when it comes to this because I do believe the penalties in, in the NFL, player suspensions are pretty strong when it comes to this stuff. And I believe NBA players do a very good job policing themselves. 
you don't you're starting to see a, f a few more ruckuses on the court from time to time, but they do a very good job policing themselves on the court. They're often, there for one yep, often. They're there for one reason. They're just there to to, to well, play some basketball. Well, there's so many moves. assistant coaches on NBA teams that if something ever happens, there's 42 guys on the court breaking them up. It rarely gets going. But yeah. your point is no. Your point is well taken. I I just think the leagues have failed miserably at sending messages to their players that if you do something that is a horrible cheap shot, that we will look after the, the victim, that we will take care of you. They have given such soft touch, light sentences more often than not that players then feel I have to do what I'm going to do to take care of things on the field. So if, if, if there is a and who who is the disciplinary uh, guy at the NHL now? His name's escaping me. Former, and again, he's a former player. They always seem to bring former players into this. Yeah, which George I, Peros. I, I think is, that's right from Montreal. Uh, I think he had a cup of tea with Toronto too. Yeah, Anna, he? Anaheim. He was with Anaheim most of his I, career. I, I think that's maybe another way you need to change this. Don't take someone who's been in the game. Forget that. And who's been a tough guy and follows the code. It, it, it's like it's like you 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 want to have a business person run a business. You know, there's always talk about you want to have business people running city hall as opposed to uh, media personalities. Just for an example, bring in a business person. Bring someone who has no emotion regarding the game. Didn't put in blood, sweat and tears, go through the minors, do the bus rides. Go think out of the box. Bring someone in completely well, if you, different. Mike, if you want to think outside the box, what you will do is create a situation where if you don't want to suspend guys for a vast period of time, find a different way within the game. And I'll tell you one of the ways to do it. Every pitcher that hits a batter must, by rule, be the first batter up for his side at the <laughs> bottom of the next inning or yeah. at the top of the next inning. So you want to know something? You know that if you're going to drain a guy you're going to get it right back. And so if you're man enough or stupid enough, whatever phrase you want to use, well, that you know you're going to get clunked. I'm fairly certain that this has been filed away. And when he comes sure back from be. his suspension, and whether it's this year or probably into next year, the next time these two teams meet, he's going to get plunked because he's a pitcher in the National yeah, League. Yeah, but do you remember what happened? Remember, the, remember after the Bautista thing when Bautista oh, slid yeah. in a second and it led to the fight? And then Bautista comes out the last at bat in their last game against Texas. Yeah. The pitcher who was of ex-con ex comes in and throws 98 at Bautista. But everyone knew it was Everyone coming. knew. But I'm saying if that pitcher knew that he was going to have to go up to bat, would he do? Would he throw that pitch? Th that pitcher had no chance. He knew he, he, he was given a golden that, hand. Didn't matter. Would that pitcher have thrown that pitch if he knew the next one was coming up in his ear next but, at bat? No, he would it. not. It was the AL, though. It would never happen. I know, but I'm saying if you put the rule in that says they have to, it will cut it out. we got to take a break. Too many purists wouldn't like that. I see where you're going. It would work. Mm -hmm. Guys mm -hmm. Guys are very brave when they're the <laughs> one throwing the ball, less so when they're wearing the ball. Fair enough. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.